It was on a spring day as Wanda walked to school that she saw it, a rose bush. It was in a corner lot that seemed to be uncared for. A lot of junk had piled up in this lot all around the bush. But Wanda was sure that this, this was a rose bush. And Wanda, who loved beautiful things, felt her heart flutter. She went up to the bush. It, it, was, it was about two feet tall. It was surprising she had never noticed it before. But it was surrounded by all sorts of, of junk that people had been dropping there. It was a, a bare, thorny bush. No flowers yet. But Wanda was just sure it would bloom soon. And it could be her very own rose bush. All that day in school, Wanda was just thinking about the rose bush. In art class, she was drawing pictures of roses. In library time, she was borrowing books about flower arranging. And during science, she asked so many questions about roses that the teacher finally had to say, no more about roses. We are supposed to be thinking about electricity. <laughs> After school, Wanda rushed back to check on her rose bush. There were no flowers. It looked, it looked like it might be struggling a little bit. And Wanda thought, well, maybe it can't get enough sun with all this junk around it. So she started to clean up. As she was pulling a big old chair from the lot and out to the curb, Mrs. Turner walked by on her way to the, way to the shops and stopped to see Wanda and offered a help. Said, oh, you're, you're cleaning up the neighborhood, Wanda. What a lovely project for you. No, no, Wanda said, I, I am doing that, but, but I'm taking care of my rose bush. Rose bush, asked Mrs. Turner, where is there a rose bush here? And when she was shown the bush, she said, I, I don't think that's a rose bush, Wanda, dear. Wanda said, no, no, it is, just wait, you will see, there will be roses on this bush. And as Mrs. Turner walked on to the shop, she said, oh, that poor child, why, if that is a rose bush, I am the Queen of England. <laughs> the next day, Wanda stopped to take care of her rose bush on the way to school. Mr. Claudel was walking by and saw Wanda dragging a door to the curb by herself. He also stopped to help and asked, Oh, Wanda, you're cleaning up the neighborhood. How nice. Oh, no, it's for my rose bush, Wanda said. And Mr. Claudel was too shown the bush, and he too thought, mm, I don't think that's a rose bush. But Wanda said, I am sure it is a rose bush. Just wait and see, there will be roses. Well, each day when Wanda came, there were still never any flowers on her bush. She thought, well, the sun can get to it now, but maybe not enough air. Maybe I need to clean up some more. And so she kept cleaning. Mrs. Giamoni, who lived in the apartment building next door, gave Wanda trash bags when she got to the small things, like old shoes and broken toys. Mrs. Giamoni also said, how wonderful that you're cleaning up, Wanda. And Wanda said, no, it's for my rose bush. Just like all the other adults, Mrs. Giamoni did not think that that was a rose bush. It would be lovely if it was true, she said, but I really don't want you to be disappointed if it's not. Still, every day, Wanda cared for the rose. 
When it had been quite a while and still no flowers, she went to the librarian at school and asked for books about how to make a rose bloom. Mrs. Jones, the librarian, gave her some books and said, oh, you have a rose, Wanda? And Wanda told her about the rose bush and said, I just don't know what's wrong. I've, I've made sure that it has sunlight and air. Does it have water, asked Mrs. Jones. Oh, water, thought Wanda. And on her way home from school that day, she stopped at the butcher shop and asked Mr. Sanchez for a bucket of water. He asked what it was for, and she pointed across the street to where he could see the rose bush. He looked through the window, and he too thought, that is not a rose. But he gave her the water and wished her good luck. Wanda continued to care for the rose. And each day when Mrs. Turner or Mr. Claudel or Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Giamoni or Mr. Sanchez would see her, they would wish her luck and ask after the rose. And each day she would say, not yet, but soon, just wait. And then there came a day in June when Wanda had an idea. Why, if the rose bush couldn't give her flowers, she would give it flowers. And she made up invitations that read, please join us for tea and muffins in Wanda's Rose Garden, Saturday, 9 a.m. And she gave them out to everyone who had helped her. And when they got the invitations, they all thought some variation of, oh, that poor sweet child, or oh no, like there's not gonna be any roses. But they all came. They all came Saturday at 9 a.m. And what to everyone's surprise, the rose bush was covered in roses. Paper roses that Wanda had made and tied carefully to every bare branch. And the second surprise was that every guest had brought a rose bush to plant next to Wanda's. And so after they had their tea and muffins, everyone got busy planting roses. And later that summer, Wanda's rose garden was indeed full of the most beautiful roses anyone had ever seen, just as she had always said would be. Our first reading is from Earthbound, Daily Meditations for All Seasons by Brian Nelson. Brian placed this one on August 16th. Does the caterpillar know what's about to happen when it spins a cocoon? Does it realize that it's doing more than simply seeking safety? Does it understand that it's involved in something greater than simply acting on instinct? Does it imagine within its long sought rest the beauty to which it will open itself? Does it glimpse the possibility that it may continue its life in a dramatically different fashion than anything it experienced up to that time? Does it have any idea that it's about to transform? Do you? Our second reading is Nothing is Static by Manish Mishra Marzetti. The ground shifts, sometimes slowly, sometimes like an earthquake, reminding us that the solidity we often love and seek is an illusion. The crumbling dust of the desert plains 
the moist fertility of farmlands, the ending coastline of tidal shores, all are changing. Committees dissolve or are created, leaders retire or step away, ministers come and go, bylaws are amended. New experiences lead to new truths, which foster evolution. The natural course of life always pushing us toward greater understandings of what it means to be human. Everything about our existence points toward change, flexibility, and dynamic recreation. And it's hard because change involves loss. Can we hold the losses well while not holding ourselves back? The ground shifts, sometimes slowly, sometimes like an earthquake. Nothing is static. This ends our readings. I've been reflecting a lot lately about anticipation and expectations. Not an unusual thing during a time of change and transition. As I have learned the history of this congregation, I realize that we have both been anticipating this moment for a long time. Here's a little bit of our histories. In the spring of 2014, this congregation said goodbye to Arthur Vaney, a beloved minister of 13 years. Arthur transformed this congregation in size and in outlook. His leaving was a great loss, and there are some here still deeply grieving his departure. With Arthur's retirement, the congregation entered into a time of transition. You invited interim minister Emily Melcher to serve as you discerned what would be next. In the spring of 2014, I was completing my first term of seminary at Star King School for the Ministry, leaving a career of more than 20 years. This was a big change and I was also entering a time of transition. Early in 2015, this congregation formed a ministerial search team to begin the process of calling a new settled minister. There were meetings and discussions about who this congregation was and aspired to be. That fall, filled with hope and anticipation, the search team prepared to enter the formal search process for a new minister. 
In 2015, I was invited to serve as the intern minister at First Unitarian Portland. This was my second year of seminary, and it was in Portland that I learned that my call was to parish ministry, not the chaplaincy, as I had expected. Later that year, I was invited to serve as the first minister for the UU Fellowship of McMinnville in Yamhill County, Oregon. And it was there that I learned more about what it means to serve and love a congregation. In 2016, this congregation completed the search process and with great hope and anticipation called Thomas Perchlick as the settled minister who began that fall. 2016 was the year that I said goodbye to the good people of McMinnville and began my chaplaincy internship, a requirement for all Unitarian Universalist ministers. In 2017, this congregation said goodbye to Thomas, ending a ministry relationship that didn't quite go as expected, and once again, invited an interim minister to serve. Eric Posa began serving here that fall. I graduated from seminary in May of 2017 with great hope and anticipation and that summer was invited to return to Portland to serve as an assistant minister. In the spring of 2018, with hope and anticipation, this congregation once again decided to enter the process to search for a new settled minister. Once again, you formed a ministerial search team and once again held meetings and discussions about who this congregation was and aspired to be. In February of 2018, with great joy, I was ordained jointly by First Unitarian Portland and the UU Congregation of Salem, Oregon. Fall of 2018 saw both OUUC and I prepare to enter the ministerial search process which began in December and lasted through May of this year. We completed our searches on May 5th when this congregation called me to be your next settled minister. I was delighted and honored to accept your call. I wonder, five years ago as we each stepped into the unknown, if we were like the caterpillar spinning a cocoon. Did we know what was about to happen? <laughs> Did we glimpse the possibility that we may continue life in a dramatically different fashion than anything we'd experienced up to that time? Did we have any idea that we were about to transform? What were our expectations then? And what are our expectations now? There are many themes in our parallel journeys. One is the ever-present theme of change. We can always expect change. Some of you have asked when I will make certain changes 
in part based on your experience with several ministers over these past few years, each of whom comes and makes changes to things. I will make changes, I promise. Too fast for some of you and not nearly fast enough for others. <laughs> Regardless, you can expect that when I make changes as much as possible, I will seek input and communicate the change and my reasons for it. I don't believe in change just to change. I will have a reason and I hope that you will ask if you don't know what that reason is. There is one change that I want to mention this morning. Over the next year, we will be using monthly themes as part of our worship services. So any of you who have participated in covenant groups know the Soul Matters packets that offer materials to explore a different spiritual theme every month. Some themes from last year were vision, mystery, possibility. Using spiritual themes as a touchstone for congregational life is called thematic ministry. The idea is that we bring a monthly theme to all that we do together. Worship, religious education for children and youth, adult education, meetings, groups, social events. Each time we gather offers an opportunity to explore a theme to deepen our spirituality and spiritual practice, to deepen the connection between us and how we bring our beliefs into the world. Themes also offer a chance for us to connect across generations. Our young ones will hear about a theme when they are with us in worship and continue exploration in their classes with the lessons that Sarah prepares for them. Adults will experience a theme in worship and in groups and in meetings. All ages will have a common topic for conversation. These are the reasons that inform this change. I believe that we are at our best when we are open to new learning, both as individuals and as congregations. I will invite us to experiment and try new things. We'll evaluate how it went, keep what works, and try something else for what doesn't. I hope that we will be a learning congregation together. So we begin our church-wide thematic ministry today. And the theme for September is expectation. What a wonderful topic to begin our shared ministry together. <coughs> Throughout the summer, as I prepared to come here, I wondered with anticipation what it would like, be like to actually be here. As I reflected and listened to the voice within, I noticed that I had some expectations based on my previous experiences, what I learned during my week with you in May, and my conversations with previous ministers and staff. In our first month together, I have also been attuned to your expectations of me. I learned some from the surroundings here. Empty bookshelves waiting to be filled. That was very welcoming. Lap blankets made by the sewing ministry waiting to be given. 
to be given away to those who might need a fabric hug. And perhaps just a hint from the fairly large bottle of ibuprofen left for me in the minister's desk. <laughs> just saying. I also hear some of your expectations when people say, we were waiting for you to make this decision or to have this discussion. You have been waiting, anticipating, expecting. The spiritual theme of expectation invites us into awareness. What are our expectations of ourselves, of each other, of the world, of that which is greater than us, no matter what we name it. Another theme that I noticed in our parallel journeys is challenged expectations. I imagine that when Arthur left, this congregation did not expect a transition that would be for five years and that when the congregation called Thomas as the settled minister, most of you did not expect a short ministry together. While I entered my time of transition with intention by beginning seminary, and I had some expectation of change, I did not anticipate the breadth and depth of transformation that I would be challenged, or rather invited, into. One of my primary teachings has been to expect the unexpected. You think the career you chose in your 20s will be your lifetime career? Think again. You think you will be a chaplain? Think again. You think you have a good sense of your beliefs and values and theology? Think again. Being called to serve here was not something that I would even have imagined possible just a year ago. Over and over, I have been shown that no matter what I expected, I will be surprised and reminded once again that I do not control everything. Sometimes our challenged expectations result in delight, like my call to serve here. Sometimes our challenged expectations result in disappointment and loss, like an expected two-year ministerial transition that turned into five years. We can expect that our expectations will be challenged. The spiritual practice is how we respond when they are. We might feel delight and gratitude when our expectations are met, even exceeded, or when we have pleasant surprises. Disappointment, frustration, anger might be more likely when our expectations are not met, when we are significantly challenged and the surprises are not at all pleasant. Our Unitarian Universalist principles call us to remember our connections always, even when we are disappointed, frustrated, angry. Our covenantal relationships, the agreements that we make about how we will be together, invite us to listen deeply and remain in relationship 
especially when we are challenged. For it is in challenge that we learn and grow. Challenged expectations also call us to the spiritual practice of compassion and grace. When we are disappointed, can we feel compassion for ourselves and for others? Can we offer grace and forgiveness? When we try new things, some won't work. Some things will fail. In a learning congregation, we learn from our failures as well as our successes because both inform how we move forward. One of my favorite insights is from Thomas Edison who said, I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> A third theme that I notice in our parallel journeys is loss. For all the anticipation and excitement that change can bring, there is also loss. Psychologist William Bridges tells us that every beginning is an ending. And as we begin our shared ministry together, I am aware of the many endings, the many goodbyes that we have experienced and that we carry with us. Bridges also reminds us that every ending is a beginning. The losses that we grieve bring us to this point of beginning once again. During our time together so far, I have noticed that many things here seem familiar to me, creating a feeling of comfort and welcome. I also remind myself that you are not any of the congregations that I have served so far, not Portland or McMinnville or Salem. One of my spiritual practices is to resist the temptation to put expectations on others and instead see people and situations as they are. This is grounded in Buddhist teaching and I bring that practice here with me. And I'm hoping that there may be some things about me that feel familiar and comfortable to you. And as we continue our journey together, I will remind you that I am not Arthur or Emily or Thomas or Eric. I invite you to consider that your spiritual practice is to be informed by what you have learned from your experience with other ministers, but not put those expectations on me. I sincerely hope that one of the big differences between the ministries that you have experienced over the last five years and our shared ministry is that we have time. I'm not pre-fired like the interim ministers, meaning that I, my time here is not limited to two years. You have called me to serve for as long as we all want that to be. I hope that for many years, I will dedicate children and bless backpacks and listen to credos from middle schoolers and bridge teams. I hope to be the pastor here who will marry and bury for many, many years. 
to do these things well requires that we build relationships, and that takes time. My primary job as I see it, especially in this first year, is to build relationships. In my time here, I have learned that this is a busy congregation, and that is a good thing. It is said that congregations and ministers who are alike find each other, and you have found a minister who is also a doer. One of the painful lessons I have learned is that doing doesn't work or last if it is not spiritually grounded. Grounded in right relationship with ourselves, with each other, and with something greater, however we describe that. And so, I will remind us all to pause in our doing. Pause for a breath. Pause to strengthen the connections between us. Pause to notice the divine, the holy, the sacred. We have time to pause, to listen, and to learn together. So here we are. We come together bringing all of our anticipation and expectations. And as the song said, all I know is I can't help but see all of this as so very holy. May we find the discipline to pause and listen deeply. May we feel the courage to learn together, to try and fail and try again. May we have the compassion for ourselves and each other to hold the losses well and not hold ourselves back. And like a community rose garden, may we unite in a beautiful unfolding. May this be so, blessed be, and amen.